my friend Rachel, who I've been friends with for a handful of years, I ended up like tweeting. I was like, hey, guys, by the way, I do have a podcast with my friend Amanda. And she was like, no way. I'm going to listen tonight. And then she DM'd me and she was like, you guys are going in. And I was like, yeah, yo, of course we're going in. My friend texted me. She's like, this is like watching like director's commentary while you're watching the episode. That's what this is like. I was like, yeah, bitch. Wait, so let's start with some banter. Um, hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Um, hello, hello. Welcome back. Um, so how have you been in quarantine? This is week, what, five of quarantine? <laughs> I think so, yeah, because it started, like, I think the, like, home and shelter basically got put in, like, the week before April. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been in my new I'm... house for exactly a month now. And we've been, we were supposed to be in quarantine when we were moving, but we're, like, we're literally moving. So quarantine, I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah. All right. Um, hi, welcome everybody back to the luck. We had a shameless recap podcast. Episode three, baby. Episode three. I am your co-host Amanda and this is my other co-host Evan. Hello. Hey, what's up everybody? Uh, so since we're still in the first few episodes, I'll still walk everybody through what we're doing. We are rewatching every episode of right now the first season of shameless the showtime series and we are recapping our and ha- giving our thoughts and opinions and uh yellings about time on, <laughs> on <laughs> that's like i feel like that's gonna be like the biggest bit throughout this series is just like time isn't real this didn't happen when it was supposed to happen why aren't these kids in school <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a recurring theme but today oh ladies and gentlemen today is gonna be a good one Today, Evan and I are going to be on our bullshit to the highest extent, because today... Uh, you guys are not ready. Today, we're watching season one, episode three, entitled Aunt Ginger. This is when season one really picks up. This episode aired on January 23rd of 2011. It was written by Nancy Hamintal. Um, I never knew how to pronounce her name. I have feelings on Nancy Hamintal. <laughs> and quoted and highlighted. Feelings on her... Um, she, for the longest time, the Ian and Mickey fan base thought that she was our savior. And then she turned out to, like, super not be. Um, yeah. But she's written 23 episodes of Shameless and is a producer on the show and has been for the entire series. Truly the only crew woman we know that we can trust is Lynn Paolo. Shout out Lynn Paolo. She is the we costume designer. Lynn. <laughs> Lynn does the fucking work. The looks she puts some of these people in. I'm all here for Lynn. She's a gem. This episode was also directed by Stephen Hopkins. This is the one and only episode of Shameless Stephen Hopkins has ever directed. Um, and thank God for it. Uh, thank God for it. <laughs> The moments we're going to get in this episode. He does direct a lot of TV, though. Primarily 24. 24 is a lot. But he was one and done with Shameless. This was the only Shameless episode he directed. Do um, we have a couple other directors that just, like, pop in and out with Shameless? I haven't really, like, kept my eye open on that. So far, it has been John Wells uh, as the primary director because it's the first season. But, yeah, throughout the seasons, there will be people that pop in for an episode. Regina King directed an episode or two in later seasons. Emmy oh, Russell ends up directing a few episodes. Bill Macy. Yeah, I remember Emmy, because, like, she would, like, everyone would, like, post on Instagram being like, wow, look at this director lady. <laughs> Bill Macy directed a couple of the episodes. That's my favorite thing about TV is that there's just different directors in every episode. So, especially in the first season, every episode could have such a different vibe. It's so crazy. Yeah, I guess it just makes sense because they're still trying to figure out the vibe of the U.S. version compared. Because, like, 
even though like yeah it's still using like the same script and kind of like the same writers like this is a completely like 180 from anything you see in the fucking uk version yeah so this is one of my favorite episodes of season one um it's great i, I did, really enjoy for this everybody episode. listening on this podcast audio based format i did my hair and makeup for this recording today <laughs> And am wearing a shameless shirt and my Mickey fuck you up gloves. Uh, because Amanda see. came prepared. <laughs> I was, we're going to have to like take a screenshot uh, while we're doing this. This episode means so much to me. I'm so fucking excited. She uh, was rewatching it the other day and she just kept on. She was like, it's our boy. He's here. And I also yesterday, last night, uh, all my close friends on my personal Instagram saw a story <laughs> of me just rewatching all of the fan videos that I've made of the show. I, I need to make more, honestly, because I stopped them in season four because that's um, when I started getting angry at the show. But like. There's so much more content now. <laughs> yeah. I I think when I joined the fandom, it was mostly I had Instagram edits that saved me <laughs> compared oh to my YouTube God, edits. Instagram and the Twitter edits. Stan Twitter for this show is like nothing I've ever seen before. We're going to jump in to season one, episode three. Uh, the synopsis. We forgot to mention in the last episode that at the very worst possible moment during the whole Frank search, Fiona is mad at Steve situation. Tony the cop just like asked Fiona to go to a policeman's ball with him. It's like, she's in a really bad place right now. You know what this would be a good time for? I'm going to ask her out. So Tony, we love Tony and Tony is literally the most harmless character, but man's had the worst timing in all of history of Shameless. So, and like, take a hint, boy. Do I have to play that song for Victorious? Just she's not into you. By the way, that's the world's biggest bop, and Jade West means the world to me. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the synopsis of this episode is Fiona turns her attention to a cop, Tony, but Steve isn't willing to give up without a fight because we love him. Ian is targeted by the brothers of a girl he spurned. The family searches for an elderly aunt who owns their house, Aunt Ginger, what the episode is titled on. Frank did the previously on. It was just him going through the trash, going like, this is what you missed. It was nothing funny or special. Tony had, had asked Fiona to go to this policeman's ball with him. Or I guess it's like a, he was coach of this little league team or something, and he was getting a trophy, whatever. And he that's, asked her to come. That's the scene when they're in the out parked outside, right? Yep, because we opened this episode on if the police cruiser is a rockin'. Little children are going to come and knock in because Fiona and Steve are fucking in the police car. Of course, let's just get this out of the way. Emmy Russell is the most beautiful person on the planet and she looks amazing. And Shameless, <laughs> especially season one, likes to have her tits out just all the time. Really do. So they're fucking. And she, Fiona sees that the kids are coming up and goes like, oh shit, kids. And Tony goes, absolutely. Like she's asking if he wants kids in the middle of sex on their first date <laughs> and like also like you need like with the shot you see that they're parked like not in like a they're remote across the street yet. from a church they're across the street from a church <laughs> like and it's not even like they're being the street like yeah tony's chair's back but like fiona's just sitting there like in the passenger seat reverse cowgirl yeah. Just, like, boobs out, windows fogged, like, in a police car. In a car, too. Across the street from a church you know is filled with children. It's a lot. So a Ugh. horde of children come running out of 
the church banging on the window and uh tony and fiona fix themselves up and stuff and he does the siren and then like an adult that i guess was with the kids walks up and like is all smiles until she like fully understands what was just happening and she like she like grabs her kid and like moves away from the car yeah they've been fully caught and then we're moving on from that we're cutting to kev walking under the l uh creepily looking up a girl's skirt this girl is 15 years old kev don't just don't do this she walks down the stairs we are following her she's walking into the cash and grab because this is mandy motherfucking milkovich we love mandy we so love mandy. much this is the first iteration of mandy starring jane levy and the world's greatest colored hair extensions. Hair, like, they tease the shit out of her hair. Like, it looks like, it gives me, like, Amy Winehouse, like, fucking, like, rat's nest vibe. Jersey girl, like, pink and yellow hair extension, like, crazy, crazy. The look that they developed for the Milkovich siblings in the first season is wild. Um, they make them, like, try so hard to make them look, like, dirty, but also clean that it just makes them look, like, yeah like mandy is cute like even with all this shit they put on her like mandy's a cute girl so she walks into the cash and grab and grabs ian's butt but like he doesn't see her so he turns around and starts to try to flirt with cash his middle-aged boss who he's fucking and uh, then he gets he goes into full gay panic mode because he's like oh no this is mandy that just pinched my butt and mandy's being all cute and flirting and flipping her hair because today, Ian defended uh, Mandy's honor against a very, very creepy teacher who, like, rubbed his boner up against her desk in class. Like, it's like they're sitting in class and, like, I guess they're taking, like, a test or something. And Mans just walks up with the biggest boner in the entire world. And so, you know what our big boy man Ian does? So he pushes a fucking book bag behind the guy and the guy just eats shit. So yeah. Mandy basically thinks... Oh my god, Ian saved his life. Let me fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, literally the first person to ever show Mandy Milkovich kindness, she immediately falls in love with him, which like shows you so much of what Mandy Milkovich has been through. Yeah, basically basically shows what her character is like like in that like is sad, but also like at least someone stood up for her finally. Yeah. So yeah, that that gets shown in flashback of why Mandy is there thanking him for being her knight in shining armor today. And she tries to ask him out and he's like, oh, I have inventory. I work late. And he like tries to get out of it because he's fully gay panicking. And we meanwhile <laughs> get a shot of Cash being all gross and jealous. Sometimes I think they try to make you feel bad for Cash, but I'm like, I want to run a car through him. <laughs> I don't feel bad. for, And I feel so bad in general because the only like Muslim characters they've ever had in this show was a creepy pedophile and a woman who converted to be a Muslim to be with her husband and is seen as like an overbearing shrill woman when she's really just trying to make money and not have her creepy fucking husband cheat on her with a teenager. Yeah, trying to save her fucking marriage and save her business. And her husband's like, let me go fuck a 15. Actually, let me get fucked by a 15. Yeah, because Ian Gallagher is what? A top. That's right. Um, <laughs> so... Cash is jealous and is creepy and there are pedophiles everywhere and I hate this. Um, but of course, listening to their entire conversation because he thinks he owns Ian in yeah. some way. Mandy does fully not understand why her flirting isn't working. She doesn't get it. And then we cut to Frank. Frank is at Sheila's house. Frank is clean. He's wearing clean clothes. He's having a beer and relaxing on a plastic covered couch at Sheila's house. 
kind of like overwhelms me. Like they did this happened so fast. Like you get this whole image that Frank is dirty, dirty man. He's no one wants him around. And then like three episodes in, he's living a luxury life. He's bathed. He's being fed well. He's being treated like a king. And I'm like, it definitely it obviously is like setting up for like later season but I'm like this happens so fast yeah and it definitely shows like how little Sheila is willing to settle for she's like oh a warm body that's not gonna be mean to me come over here like oh and I, I guess we also forgot to put in like the fact that because Sheila and her condition and stuff Sheila doesn't know what Frank does Sheila's yeah. never been to the alibi Sheila doesn't have any friends so no one she doesn't know that Frank is like basically like a thief and a drunk and like all these things she just thinks he's like a hopeless little guy because yeah she knows that he's lipstat at this point yeah but she's fully scammed by his like my house is so crowded there is no warm water i try so hard to be a good dad she's fully scammed by it and karen's not gonna ruin it for her mom so karen's not saying anything because like I, i guess frank is better than her dad maybe i don't know who knows anymore? Because at least Frank's not yelling at Sheila all the time and being a dick to Sheila. So yeah. that's good. So Frank is at Sheila's house and Lip comes to the door to pick up Karen. And I get reminded immediately how much I love Joan Cusack. <laughs> Joan Cusack as Sheila is incredible. And Frank gets all like weird and stepfathery with, with his own son. About like, what are your intentions with Karen? That's your son. Yeah, like it. Like, he's trying to parent over a completely different child to his child. Yeah, and Lip is over it. Lip is not taking the bullshit. He's just like, he just doesn't answer him and waits for Karen to come downstairs. And they're like, okay, bye. And then we cut out of that and back to Cash and Ian are leaving the cash and grab after Ian's shift is over. Now my question. Did Karen Monaghan and this actor kiss? Or did they cut away to, like, a different actor kissing him? Because there's a weird cutaway because doesn't Ian pull cra- Cash to him and yeah. then they start out? Ian pulls Cash to him, but right before we, like, see them kiss, it, like, cuts to, like, a back view of them kissing. So I was like, mm. did they? Because Cameron was 15 years old. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they I guess they would have had to because, you know, Cameron probably wouldn't be comfortable with that. And, you know, like, obviously parents probably wouldn't be cool with that. So I'm, yeah. I'm guessing within, like, a legal standpoint, like, Hollywood picture magic they definitely had to cut to like a different small ginger <laughs> yeah. in case people are unaware I hate I hate this relationship I hate it so much and I can't wait for it to be over we not support this relationship and no one in the history of shameless should support this relationship we only have like two more episodes until this relationship's over it's fine sorry spoilers but like the spoilers. pedophile doesn't spoilers. last long yeah. So they, Ian and Cash kiss, and then Cash walks away, and Ian goes around to the back of this truck that was in the alley, and sitting in the back of the open truck, I guess, Mandy Milkovich, waiting all, for Ian. Those by that big open, do they not remember where they live? I just, I, it's so much. No one about personal property in this entire show. If you watch this show, no matter from any point, no one locks doors, no one locks their car doors. Um, no one locks their, like, houses or their windows. Yeah. Every It makes sense why everyone's robbed all the time, because you obviously don't care about your own shit. <laughs> Honestly. So, Mandy is waiting in the back of the van for him, and she's like, I'm here to walk you home. Like, like she she's the production. She's here to walk this boy home in the middle of the night. Okay, cool. Uh, you know what? Props to Mandy for, like, seeing what she wants and going after it. Not take no for an answer. <laughs> and you know what? We love her for that. We love Mandy Milkovich in this house. 
Then we cut to the Gallagher house uh, after Ian and Mandy have gotten home. And Ian and Mandy and Carl are all sitting in the living room watching TV. And uh, Ian super nervous. And Mandy's Mandy's sitting there like you do when you're over your like someone that you likes house. And you're just like sitting and you're like, so when are we going to start making out? Like, you just <laughs> you're like, like keep... how do I make the first move? Do I inch my hand over? Do yeah. I look at them? You start you're like just... shifting the way you're sitting I... and moving closer and like looking at them a lot. <laughs> so like, that's what they're doing. It's super cute. And then Ian goes, gets up. He's like, oh, who wants another beer? And he gets up to go get her a beer. And Mandy fully just kicks Carl in the side. <laughs> Like, I ever watched that again, and literally just was like, get out of here. I was like, damn. Get out of here, shithead. It's great. So she makes Carl go away, and then Carl gets, like, probably his only line in the episode, and he's like, have fun getting herpes, and he leaves. Ian's, like, trying to, like, tell him to stay, and then Carl's just like, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, if listeners hear any thunder in the background, it's uh, because the world is ending outside my window right now. So we're having fun with that. Uh, So... Carl walks out of the room and Mandy straight up jumps on Ian. She just like jumps in his lap. Like just like doesn't even take a second and just like rolls her body on top of Yeah. Him. She's like, don't worry, I have a condom. And like Ian is not into it, but he also has no idea how to make this stop happening. And a very like fast but like overwhelming scene because obviously we know that Ian's gay at this point, but he's just like, I don't want to have sex with a girl. <laughs> yeah, he's not into it. And so while that uncomfortability is happening, we cut to the outside of the house where Tony and Fiona are getting home from their date. And Fiona's like, oh, the kids loved you. Do the siren. Do the siren. Tony's like, so so you broke up with Steve? Or he's asking the questions that we all want answered. Where in the yeah. world is Steve? Because Steve was literally living at their house like an episode ago. And now Steve's not even in the first scene so like we don't even know what the he- where the hell he is or yeah. what's going on with him. and fiona is fully ignoring that question and then she gets she gets to ignore it because mandy milkovich comes running out of the house screaming and crying and super mad but what a dramatic queen <laughs> and she and she fiona's like sorry tony gotta go and like is fully okay with getting out of this conversation going in the house and she's like why is mandy milkovich crying who did what to Mandy Milkovich and like fully Fiona mom voice came out and we love it. And uh, we cut from that to Lip and Karen are laying underneath the L tracks being all young adult, not like fault in our stars, adorable. And like the train passes over them and they scream super loud. And it's like super cute. It's like super cute, but also like idiots. (laughs) Yeah. Idiots. But like Karen, I forgot how, like, genuinely sweet Lip and Karen were in the beginning. Lip and Karen were, like, kind of good together, and it was nice. Uh, Although, Lip discovers, like, a hickey on Karen's neck. And she's like, oh, no, no, that's from, that's like a burn from a curling iron. That's a hickey over there. So, like, I guess they're fully not monogamous and Lip's just cool with it. Like, I feel like they never really set any boundaries between the two of them. And, like, I feel like as it progresses their relationship, it kind of like, it seems like it was always open, but then obviously one or the other starts catching feelings. So then it becomes a problem. But like, as of now, I feel like they're both kind of just like high schoolers fooling around. Yeah. I think they're just like hooking up, but like, I feel like lip might be catching feelings a little bit, or he wouldn't have pointed out the hickey on her neck. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's like a power move from her too. Maybe she's like, yeah, it is. 
and sneaky from another person. Yep, it is. Like, maybe she's just trying to make him jealous? Who knows? So we cut from that to uh, Kevin V's house. Kev is naked because, okay. What? And he's, well, he's walking around his own house. He has every right to be naked. And then he goes to, like, make toast, and he sees that his toaster is gone. Because we are now continuing the theme of the Gallaghers are stealing all of Kev's shit. I, I love this bit. It goes on for, like, a couple of episodes, but less, like, every episode, it's, like, Kev walking in in a scene he's not in, taking something that the Gallagher stole, and then leaving. It's, it's which great. I love. It's definitely a running bit through this episode. He's like, what the fuck? My toaster's gone. So he calls, like... What up with the Gallagher's not having, like, these smallest essential things, though? Well, apparently, he calls V at work, and, and he's like, why the f-? And he didn't even ask, where's the toaster? He asked, why did you give the Gallagher's our toaster? Like, he knows exactly what happened. Yep, is. <laughs> and, uh, and V's like, V is at work at the nursing home doing some weird, uh, like, spa treatment thing. She's like, Carl broke theirs trying to melt something in it. And he's like, so you gave them ours? And he's mad about it. He's like, he's calling her on a phone that's covered in duct tape, like a handheld phone that's covered in duct tape. He's like, tell them to stop stealing our shit. And he hangs the phone up. But before, before he goes over to the Gallagher house, we see like the chaos of the morning of the Gallagher house of Fiona waking all the kids up for school. Debbie's doing something weird with the computer. Carl's got the bat and Fiona (laughs) grabs him and goes like, the bat is for killing. It's not for school. Go get breakfast. I love the bat just just like hangs on the stairwell. <laughs> like it's my favorite thing. It's their home security is the bat from the door. So she sends Carl downstairs and she goes to answer the door because nobody else is answering the door. And she's a busy woman. Someone else should answer the door. And, no one answered that door in the history of the show. <laughs> and Steve is standing there uh, and she's not here for it, but he's, she tries to shut the door on his face. And he's like, I'm here for Ian. I lost a bet against him. I owe him tickets to something. I have to talk to him. So he comes into the kitchen and the whole family gathers in and Kev comes in through the back door and Fiona's like, what are you doing here? And he just goes, toaster. (laughs) Carl is melting things on his toaster. He's like, fuck you. Don't fuck up my toaster. And then so Lip Lip comes down and continues his theme of giving Steve shit. Lip is like, oh, wow, you, uh, you don't give up, huh? Do you? Steve asks Ian what like game he wants tickets for. And there's, like, a moment of Kev calling the Flyers a bunch of, I'm not saying that word, <laughs> the the F-word slur. And, like, it's not in a malicious way. Kev isn't a bad guy. Uh, but, like, it's, it's just that. Calling them, like, pussies. That's all. That's basically what yeah. summing up with Kev is saying the Flyers are a bunch of pussies. But, like, the show is so pointed about it. Like, Kev does that. And then we get a shot of Ian's face. And, like, Ian is not bothered. Ian doesn't give a shit. Then we find out, like, flowers arrive from Tony to Fiona and Steve is standing there and he's like, you hooked up, you hooked up with Tony? Did you have sex with him? And Steve is jealous. And just the whole point of, I love this scene though, because like, even though Kev came in for a store search, he's still just chilling there, like eating breakfast now and just like listening to all their shit. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing, Steve asks him why he's there. And he's like, my toaster is here. So I am here. And he's like, got it on the table in front of him. And he's like, got it like cradled around him. It's great. I love Kev so much. It's just how, like, interchangeable Kevin V are in the Gallagher house. Like, they can just come and go as they please. It's great. And same, like, Fiona can walk into their bedroom without any questions asked, and it's not a big thing. I love that friendship is really cute. So Steve is very, very jealous that Fiona's gone out with another man. He's super not into it. 
So we cut to the Jackson house and Sheila, Sheila is all done up in her coat and her little purse. She's like, I am going to the grocery store. And Frank is like, the fuck you mean you're going to the, you're, you're going to the house? And Karen like kicks him under the table. She's like, good for you, mom. And like, Karen is really sweet with Sheila. That's the one thing I love about Karen is that like, even though like, over time or like you learn like she definitely has some negative qualities or she's always like she's never like I'm gonna say in the first season she's never rude to her mom mm-hmm. she like is so hyping her up and like always helping her and like if Sheila's like I'm gonna leave and she's like yes you can and like I just love that she's like supportive of like Sheila and all her stuff because obviously like it's her mother so she wants her to like not be wacko <laughs> yeah and like so while uh, while Sheila is, like, hyping herself up to go out on this little walk. You can see Karen, like, behind her very quietly, like, creeping and, like, grabbing her pills out of the thing. Because, like, Karen knows this is not going to go well. So Karen's, like, to her face being like, you go, Mom, you can do it today. But also, like, preparing for the aftermath of when Sheila goes outside and gets terrified by the world and comes back inside crying. And Karen's like, I got you. And, like, grabs her and gives her her pills. And, like, oh, Sheila! (laughs) She makes my heart hurt. I love Sheila. And, like, Joan Cusack playing her is everything. Sheila does not make it to the store, and she's really sad in her house, and Karen is taking care of her. And uh, Frank jumps at the opportunity, because Karen's like, I'll just, I'll go grocery shopping. And Frank's like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he goes and grabs the money for grocery shopping and goes to leave. And Karen's like, you forgot the fucking list, you asshole. I know you're not going grocery shopping. Karen knows all of Frank's BS, so, like, as much as, like, she's gonna let Frank, like, basically hoard off of them, she still knows, like, who he is as a person, so she's still trying to look out, Yeah. but, like, it's Frank, so it's inevitable of what the hell he's gonna do. She knows when she handed over that money in that grocery list, she's like, we're never seeing groceries in this house Yeah. this man. Any groceries. <laughs> we cut away from that to the Gallagher house, and everybody's like, why is it so fucking cold in this house? And we find out their gas has been turned off. Because they haven't paid the gas bill this month. And so they're all like, just like in the first episode, they're like, how much money are you making today? How much money are you making today? And trying to get together to pay the gas bill. And Steve is standing there and Steve is like, I will just give you the money for the gas bill. And Fiona's like, fuck off, Steve. Steve and his money with Fiona, I can't. Like, I, I, like it always can tell that it's not from... It's all in good intentions, but like man's just keeps on trying to give such large amounts of money. Like no wonder they don't want to fucking take them. Yeah. He, like never realizes the people he's associating himself with. Yeah. He thinks like, oh, they might be poor and shit like that. They want all this money. Like, no, he three episodes in, man should literally know. Yeah, you should know by now. Like by the third time she's rejected the money from you, he should be like, I would offer you the money, but I know you won't take it. Like he sh- you should know that by now. Fiona wants to pay her own bills, and she will. She will figure it out. She's a strong, independent woman. She don't need no man, but, like, it would be nice if she could get a good one. That'd be good for her. So Kevin Lip think it is hilarious how jealous Steve is. They think it's hard. They think it's so, so funny. Um, And everybody leaves, and uh, Fiona kicks Steve out of the house. And then, meanwhile, Kev is still sitting there with the oatmeal. He's like, Fiona, this oatmeal... I don't know what you did to this oatmeal, but, like, Kevin's just a really sweet friend to her in that moment. So after she kicks Steve out and all the kids leave for school, Frank comes bursting in the front door and goes grocery shopping in the Gallagher kitchen. 
<laughs> he's like grabbing like loaves of bread and putting pieces that are already not in the loaf back in the loaf yeah. and like he like puts like there's like a maybe like two-thirds of the way milk filled and he just like adds water to the milk and like puts it in a bag and like man's is going the extra mile so we could keep that money that he got from Sheila. And Fiona's like not stopping him. She's just standing there like, and you're stealing our food because, and he's like, it's my food. I pay for the tax dollars. She's like, um, no, it's our food. We bought this. You absolute asshole. They're very, they're very lenient with Frank in like the first season. Yeah. Like they let him get away with a lot that they end up like just fucking him over with. (laughs) Yeah. So while Frank is grocery shopping in their kitchen, Tony the cop arrives at the back door and Kev is immediately like, oh, hi, Tony. Like Kev (laughs) knows what they did last night. And Tony's got the big old blue puppy dog eyes for Fiona and Fiona cannot even look at him. Yeah, she doesn't care. She's preoccupied. She needs money. She doesn't care about policeman Tony showing up at her door. Yeah. Tony's like, I had a really good time last night. Didn't you have a really... She's like, yeah, no, it was fun, Tony. It was super fun. Like, can we move on with our lives? And he's like, Fiona, that was my first time last night. And then a hard cut to V going, virgin! (laughs) (laughs) Just a hard cut to later in the day, them feeding a power cord through the window to plug in a space heater. And V going like, oh, okay, Fiona, so you did that with Tony. The poor boy. The poor boy. So hopelessly in love. Uh, I love Tony. Tony's like probably be one of the nicest characters on this show. He is. It's so sweet. And V says during this conversation, this little girl talk conversation, because they're best friends and we don't get to see it enough. Uh, this girl talk conversation. She's like, so refresh my memory of why you're mad at Steve. And Fiona's like, he dropped my dad in a foreign country. She's like, yeah, Canada. And it was Frank. Like... Just like we said last week, V is like, why are we upset about this? Yeah, like, it just, I, it, it paints such a picture of how they feel about Frank. And, like, I, it still makes, like, we literally, like, went over this last week. But, like, why did they care so much? They, like, sent out, like, a search party. They're like, oh, I'm going to go check over here. Like, why do you care? Yeah. That is V in one sentence. Just all of our thoughts from the last episode. Like, why do we yeah. care? And so they're, but they're having like a little girl talk and they're teasing each other back and forth. And V is a really good friend. And they get interrupted by a knock on the door. Someone from the social security office is asking where Ginger Gallagher is. Fiona's like, who the fuck is Ginger Gallagher? And the social security woman says, well, Ginger Gallagher owns this house you're living in. And her social security checks are being cashed in the city of Chicago, but nobody has heard from her. And that's like the first Fiona is hearing of it. We all know who is responsible for this social security scam. Cashing these social security checks. Like, oh my God. It's so funny. Like while Fiona's having this very serious conversation with the social security office lady, who's like very clearly like somebody is cashing this woman's checks. Meanwhile, Kev in the background walks in and grabs the power cord and the two space heaters and like wags them in Fiona's face and walks out. (laughs) That like, running bit, he's like, like stop stealing my shit. And like the thing is, is like I love how the like uh fucking V just like is also is the one giving them to him. Just yeah. like yeah, sure, here's this cord, here's the thing. Like you guys are good. So we've set up from this scene that uh what's going on with the Gallagher's is Fiona's mad at Steve. She found that she fucked Tony. Uh, for the that was his, she popped his cherry, and they have to start looking for Aunt Ginger. But right now, a bitch <laughs> needs a minute. 
Because the next cut of this, the next scene that we cut to, is the greatest scene that we get to experience in season one. Cinematic history was made with this scene. Just, he gets a strutting, he gets a catwalk strutting intro. This, and he, the two guys next to him are enormous. And he, he Noel Fisher is 5'7", and he's probably shorter <laughs> than that. We get introduced to Mickey Milkovich. Milkovich! Uh, Mickey Milkovich has entered the chat. He has entered the chat. We see this badass montage music of him slow-mo walking down this tunnel, and it's amazing. And then we cut to Ian restocking shelves in the cash and grab. And then the, the bell above the door rings, and um, would, would, would you like to say it with me, uh, Evan? One, two, three. Sonic life. Ian Gallagher! You messed with the wrong girl! Ugh. <laughs> Mickey and his brothers are here to beat the shit out of Ian because Mandy ran back to her house and said that Ian assaulted her. And it is iconic. Mickey, Noel Fisher put his all into this scene. He's throwing himself against the door of the cash and grab, of the back storage door. And it's, Ian is hiding and he's so scared. And then Cash is like, he slipped out, he slipped out the back door. There's a door in the back. And Mickey yells at his brothers, to go and check the alley and he pushes shit over and then he leaves the cash grab and then he comes back in with a little sassy strut and gives cash the eye and steals a snack and chews it in front of him and walks out the door he grabs like a snowball or whatever and he just like rips the plastic and spits it at cash and then walks out it was <laughs> such a power move it was such a like, there was no better way to introduce this man screaming Ian's name and just be and giving Cash the I will fuck you up eyes. We stand. I, like, man's like, he comes in. It happens so fast. Like, literally the moment from he walks in the cash and grab, it's just like screaming and then everyone runs. And then that scene happens so fast. Yeah. And all run out. And then it's Ian, Mickey's little, like, little strut back in. <laughs> What's up? He's dangerous. He's here to fuck you up because he heard you messed up his sister. Mickey is mad Third, about it. He's, he's here to fuck things up. Ian is in trouble. The Milkovich boys are after him, but primarily Mickey because those other two actors, I don't know who they are. We never meet them again. The Milkovich siblings are interchangeable except for Ian, yeah. or except for Mickey and Mandy. Well, don't, you're speaking too soon for Mandy. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, but the only two Milkoviches that truly, truly matter are Mickey and Mandy Milkovich. And getting to meet him in this episode is the greatest thing ever. Oh, I'm so, I'm so excited for people watching this for the first time who have just met Mickey Milkovich. And do, that y'all don't know. Y'all don't I know don't. what's about to happen to you. The emotional journey you're about to go on. <laughs> the 35-page dissertation paper you can write about this boy's emotional journey through the first four seasons like a certain host of a certain podcast did <laughs> I, I remember when you sent me that and i was like thank you and i sent it to so many of my friends good i digress we've now met mickey milkovich and he is here to fuck you up and then we cut to lip and karen and we find out lip is taking the sats for somebody karen gives him like the id she's like this is who you are this is where you go to school and Lip is being paid to take the SATs for somebody because Lip is a genius. So Yeah, this builds it up. This kind of, like, sets it up for, like, you realize how 
completely smart lip is. Yeah. Like, he's taking the SAT casually for kids. Like, bro. Yeah. Karen's like, I'll see you in three hours. He's like, I'll be out in two. Okay, genius. Damn, like, he, of course he was like, eh, you know I'll be out sooner. Then we cut to Frank at the alibi, and Fiona walks in just with Liam bouncing on her hip. Poor boy, always getting dragged around. And Fiona's asking um, where the hell Aunt Ginger is. Who is Aunt Ginger? Where is Aunt Ginger? And we find out, of course, Frank has been cashing Ginger's checks. Who else would it be? <laughs> and he lies to Fiona and says, like, I didn't know she was back in town. She hasn't called me. So Fiona's like, well, we need to get her over to the house then. And we need to show the people that she's alive and she's here. So Fiona is, like, believing that Aunt Ginger is still around and that Frank knows who she is and where she is. Thank Frank clearly doesn't because she walks away and we get he finds out the feds are are looking into it and Frank like disappears leaving behind the groceries he stole. <laughs> he just dips. He's just like, all right, I gotta go. Fully dips, and as he dips, he goes walking down the street past an enormous spray painted sign. Ian Gallagher <laughs> is a dead man. Well, Proof- at least we know Mickey can spell right for one. Yeah. Mickey does, in fact, know how Gallagher is spelled. Let's file that away for the next five seasons. Frank walks by. Ian and Mickey and his brothers are spray painting Ian Gallagher as a dead man on the side of a building. Uh, and Frank keeps walking into a homeless shelter. And he gets blocked by, like, a security guard at the homeless shelter that's like, Frank, you are not allowed in here. <laughs> it's, like, literally like a bouncer on the outside. How bad of a person do you have to be to get banned from a homeless shelter? <laughs> And uh, apparently it's because Frank stole money from a Christmas Santa, because, sure. And so then that cuts to a scene of, like, someone basically doing kind of like a Salvation Army, like, ringing a bell, and it just cuts to Frank, like, running up to them, like, he punches them, right? And then just takes the money bucket and just bolts. (laughs) Which, honestly, if they were a Salvation Army worker, uh, the Salvation Army is a bunch of transphobic, homophobic pieces of garbage, so fuck the Salvation Army. We don't stand them. We don't stand them. Give your money to literally anybody else. Fuck the Salvation Army. Anywho, uh, back to Shameless. So Frank finds another way into the shelter because he wants to borrow an old lady to to play ginger. So he, like, climbs in a back ladder to get in the back of the homeless shelter. And we cut away from that. So much for so little. Yeah. So Ian is walking down the street and he spots Mandy. And he, like, runs into her and he begs her to call her brothers off. He's like, please, 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 Mandy, tell them that nothing happened. I swear to God, they're going to fucking kill me. And she's like, good. And she grabs her girlfriends and she leaves. Like, power trio. Like, ah. Yeah. Get away from me, Ian Gallagher. Fuck you. And, like, she is so hurt that he did not want to have sex with her. And, like, I feel really bad for her. But, like, girl, don't sick your brothers on him. Yeah, first of all, she's the one who's lying. So, like, it's all on her. Like, Ian did nothing. Like, just Ian. ignore him. Yeah. Ignore him. Shit talk him behind his back or something. Tell everybody he's got a small dick. But, like, don't sick your pit bull of a brother on him. Except, yes, I'm so happy you did that. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy Milkovich. <laughs> everybody say thank you, Mandy Milkovich. So, we cut away from that. Fiona is at another one of her 18 jobs. <laughs> this girl is just, like, I bet she just works for, like, um... Like, whatever what if, equivalent of TaskRabbit there was in 2011. Or, like, a temp job or whatever. She's probably, like, with, like, a temp agency that just, like, call her up whenever they need someone to go in. Yeah. Which makes... Because we see her have, like, seven different jobs in the first, like, three episodes. Yeah. 
She's working at a food truck, and Steve comes up to the window of the food truck because he's a little bit of a stalker. He tries really hard to apologize to her. He's a super, he's like yelling it in the street. We love Steve and his grand gesture, like yelling moments. But Fiona's not having it. She's like, take your burrito and fuck off, please. And we cut to Lip and Karen. They're walking down the street. Lip finished taking the SAT. And uh, they're, I don't know, talking about something. And they run into Mickey and his brothers. And Mickey's like, hey, Lip, thanks for writing that paper for me. Because apparently Lip also sells papers for school. And listen, we can't find Ian. He messed with Mandy. And Lip, who knows Ian is gay, is like, he and Karen look at each other. And they're like, yeah, that's super unlikely. Yeah, we're like that doesn't sound like something Ian would do. And then Mickey makes it very clear. He's like, someone's gonna catch a beat down for this if we don't find him. Meaning, if you don't tell me where your brother is, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you right now. So Lip understands he's about to catch a beating, and Karen steps to the side because <laughs> she also knows Lip is about to catch a beating. And Lip's like, well, maybe she, maybe Mandy confused Ian with one of the ten on. 10,000 other guys that she's already blown. So Mickey, like, well, he gave me an excuse. I'm like, hits him with a pool cue and they beat the shit out of Lip. And like, Bro, what? They fuck his shit up. They fuck him up. What a good big brother. What a good big yeah. brother. Something I liked about the Gallaghers is that, like, if anyone ever comes looking for them, they're like, I don't know who that is, or like, I don't know where they are. Yeah. It like, so Lip, like, catches a beat down for, for Ian, which is one of the first nice things that that he ever does for Ian, and it's, it's good. I like it. Karen insults Mickey, and I hate her for it. She t- she says he smells like cow shit. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I wrote, Karen is a roller coaster ride of a character, because through this scene, I'm like, oh, she and Lipper, through this episode, she and Lipper cute. She's super nice with her mom. Fuck you, Karen. We cut back to Frank. He's in the Gallagher house. There is an old drunk man it's a character actor that I recognize as, like, a guy that's been in every episode, in one episode of everything. This guy's drunk and asleep and wearing a dress. And Fiona's like, what's with the what's with the drunk sleeping man? And Frank's like, that's Aunt Ginger. She's like, well, Aunt Ginger's got a boner, so that's interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, like, this old man in a wig and a dress and in, like, fucking, like, saddle shoes and has the biggest boner alive. It's terrible. Uh, so she's like, okay, so clearly something is up with this, but she doesn't have time to deal with that because she answers the door and it's Tony greeting her with, it's me, the virgin. <laughs> like what? Like, I love it, but like what type of, like, why did you introduce yourself like that? He's like, well, it's- might as well get it out of the way. And Fiona's like, well, um, not anymore though. Oh my God. Uh, he's such a smooth talker. Uh, and he decides that to smooth over the fact that the entire neighborhood knows that they have now hooked up. He's going to invite her to dinner with his mom. Sure. <laughs> you you want to come to dinner? Like, what? <laughs> like, they hooked up once. He showed up to their house and Fiona's ignored the fuck out of him. And then he's like, you want to come meet my mom? <laughs> this poor sad boy. Go and go meet somebody else. She's Tony's not- on the wrong part of town. <laughs> he likes the bad girl and the bad girl is not interested she's not into it she's like i'll fuck you but can you leave after uh and they she thankfully gets interrupted in that conversation again because lip walks by with his shit rocked like a busted lip like a black eye he's bleeding from at least like two different places oh it's all fucked up and uh tony's like is there a body on the other end of that and lip doesn't give him up lip's like nope everything's fine 
Southside don't snitch. So then we cut to the Gallagher kitchen like a few minutes later, I guess. V, because, you know, V is the resident doctor of the group. Our uh, nurse, queen. She's tending to Lip's wounds and saying, all, she's like, uh, the nose is the most commonly broken bone in kids, in me- young men like 18 to 35 or something. And Lip's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Well, what's with the drunk sleeping man in the corner in the dress? Frank is still, that's Aunt Ginger. And Lip's like, no, that's my bus driver from school. It was like it's Mr. Something from, like, the third grade or whatever. And Fiona's like, fuck you, you didn't get the real ginger, now we have to drive all night to go get her. And Frank's like, well, actually, you don't have to do that because she's dead. Aunt Ginger's dead. And Debbie walks in on that and she's like, who's dead? And they say Aunt Ginger and Debbie's like, oh, no. Like, Debbie's all sad about it. Fiona's like, you didn't even fucking know her. Yeah. Like, you didn't. Lip says it like the softest voice is like you don't know who she is though and Debbie's like and now I never will (laughs) we glanced over the fact that Debbie and like I think it's Debbie and Carl they walk in and they have like a like an armful of like hand dryers from like the uh, hotel yeah oh yeah like they gotta keep warm and I'm like hair dryers how did they get let into so many hotel rooms just to, like, yank these things, first of all, is what I was, like, astounded by. Because yeah. there's, like, she has at least, like, six in her arm. Yeah. I'm assuming maybe she went to the motel that Fiona cleans every once in a while and, like, asked the owner and took them to to keep themselves warm. Because, once again, they have not paid their gas bill and their gas has been turned off. So then we find out that Aunt Ginger is dead. She's been dead for 12 years. And we do a smash cut to 12 years ago. Frank and this old woman doing lines of coke in the living room. And this woman does a line, leans back, and that's all she wrote. Lights out. <laughs> Lights out for Aunt Ginger. And uh, so Frank did not tell anybody that she was dead. And Fiona's like, we live in her house. Was there a will? And Frank says, you don't need a will if she's not technically dead. Which leads to a great line from Fiona. She's like, Yes, you do, because dead is dead. Just because you don't tell somebody that she's dead doesn't make her not dead. <laughs> like, Fiona's, like, so right, though. Like, what? <laughs> it's such a great line delivery from, from Emmy Russum. It's so good. And then they're like, well, now what the fuck are we going to do? And then V gets an idea, because as we learned earlier in the episode with that cut with the phone call with Kev, V works in a nursing home. So V gets a light bulb and then cut to the nursing home. They are shopping like they are looking for a new puppy. Standing in like the common room of like a nursing home and they're like, all right, let's window shop. (laughs) We need one that doesn't get a lot of visitors. That's like super got dementia, super out of it, that no one will notice is gone. That they find a nice elderly woman who is speaking to a plant. (laughs) That's my favorite part. She's just like talking to a plant and they're like, that one. (laughs) Yeah, Debbie's like, I found one. I found one over here. I like her. And so they're like, okay, cool. But before we see them bring her back to the Gallagher house, we see Cash closing up the cash and grab and getting into his truck. And we hear Mickey from across the street asking where Firecrotch is. And he's like, all right, we'll be back tomorrow when your shithole opens. (laughs) It's all one word, when your shithole opens. Mickey does not enunciate. I love him, though. Uh, So Mickey is still stalking the cash and grab. Wait, he's... Somebody messed with his little sister. Somebody's got to pay for it. Because, like, he he's, like, still sticking up for his family. Like, he obviously doesn't know the full story, but, like, he was told that, like, some bitch, like, fucked with his sister. So he's going 
to end me to fuck yeah. this kid. He's like, my little sister came home crying. She told me some boy messed with her. I'm going to go kill him. Like, I love that for you. That's great. This is great. This storyline's great. Um, And so Cash gets in the van that was sitting outside the cash and grab and Ian is hiding in it. And they have a conversation about how hard it is to hide and how Ian should have just fucked her. And I don't care about you, Cash. I don't care about Cash. I don't care about Cash at all. Whatever. And they're, like, talking about, like, being out and being gay and stuff like that. And then Cash is like, oh, I didn't know what I wanted until after I married Linda. And I'm like, oh, you didn't know you wanted underage children after you married Linda? (laughs) You didn't know you were a pedophile until after you married Linda? Is that what you didn't know? You weren't aware that you were a pedophile until after you were married? You piece of trash. Like, I don't know if they ever, like, if we know this yet or whatever, but Cash has children. Cash has kids. Yeah, well, he says it in this line, because Ian's like, well, it's it's easy for you to pretend now. And Cash is like, I have kids, and I love my kids, and I have to pretend. I'm like, I hate you. Oh, God, I hate him so much, Evan. I can't even stand it. It's it's one thing pretending, and it's one thing being a (laughs) pedophile. Like, if he was having an affair with a grown man, it would be an entirely different situation, and I'd feel bad for him. I literally think they used the whole excuse that Ian's a top, so it's not that bad. And I'm like, that probably makes it worse. It's still (laughs) so bad. It's still so bad. And, like, I think Ian even said uh, when he was fighting with Lip, when Lip first found out in the first episode, that Ian made the first move. I don't care. If a 15-year-old makes a move on you, you go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're 15. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're probably an entire decade younger than me. Circle back in like five years and we can have a conversation. Like, we don't know how old Cash is, but Cash is old enough to have a wife, a kid, and a whole kids and a store. So, you know, that man's isn't anywhere near what anyone would think would be acceptable. He's at least 30, (laughs) probably his mid 30s. And I. So, uh, so Ian is half his age. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Gross. Up. Anyway, we cut from that conversation to the Gallagher house where they're bringing Aunt Ginger home. And Aunt oh. Ginger's like, everything is exactly how I left it. This woman is out of it. This woman is not there at all, which honestly, the perfect match for this family. For I, also, this I also made a note. Um, Doesn't she look like a who? Doesn't she look like she was plucked out of who? Oh with my nose? god. <laughs> She definitely had work done when she was younger, and then her old age just made it even more tight and pointy. Yeah, she's, like, round, but, like, she's got a pointy little nose. Like, she looks like she's from Whoville. She's so cute. I definitely, I recognize that actor as just, like, another old lady in some show. I'm not sure I know the actor, but she's definitely, like, one of those people who's just, like, in a couple episodes of a show here and there. Yeah. She's, she's so sweet. She's so cute looking. And, like, she does a really good job at just being an absolutely out-of-it old woman in this episode. It's so good. So she's out of it. The drunk man wakes up, and Frank, like, kicks him out. And then we cut to a fun little montage. It's super cute. This montage is so cute. This montage is another example of, I guess, time doesn't exist. I don't know what time it was when they brought her home. And they're taking Polaroid, or they're taking, like, disposable camera pictures that they're then going to have printed out and on the mantle by the next morning. Whatever, I don't care. It's so cute. They're making cookies. They're cleaning the house. They're taking family pictures. It's so cute. Debbie is eating the shit up. And Debbie loves having a grandma. Her and her are cooking. They're baking. They're doing all these, like, aren't they, like, knitting at one point? Yeah. Or, like, 
they're doing some sort of craft and like Debbie's just like eating this up because she's getting all this attention with like this elderly figure because like like the the only like womanly figure Debbie literally has in her life is Fiona and Fiona's never there because she's doing all these other shit so like Debbie's living her best life with her grandma this shows you how starved she is for like familial attention Debbie and Carl what did so Debbie's older than Carl how old did we decide they were in the first season I think eight or nine you got these little babies and they just have a grandma now it just like it just kind of hurts because you're like these children are missing actual like family time and stuff like that emma rose kenny does break my heart in the first season for how starved she is for a mom like you can tell she wants a mom so bad and like we'll see later on in the season she really bonds with sheila and like but obviously she doesn't want to get attached to this woman because it's not they're not she's not going to be here forever she's just there for their fucking checks Anyway, we're bringing a real downer moment to what is otherwise a very cute montage of them, like, just being that's a cute little like, family. That's, but honestly, that's the joys of Shameless. You'll get a really, really funny, happy scene, and then next scene will be, like, someone literally going through the most traumatic thing ever. Or, like, the funny, happy scene just makes you realize something deeply upsetting. Like, oh. This is why you're not, this is why we're go, we're looking into the depths of Shameless for you, so you don't have to. Yeah, that's why you guys are here listening to this. So after the montage, Debbie is sitting down with this old woman who is telling this meaningless story about these old Hollywood men that she danced and had fun with. And I was like, it is bullshit. Because by the time Debbie asks a follow-up question, the woman's like, I wasn't a dancer. What are you talking about? Yeah, she was just like, I'm not, I wasn't. What do you, I have no clue what you're talking about. Because they're watching like some like old black and white movie. Yeah. <laughs> so funny it's so cute and steve walks up to the door fiona answers it again steve again is here looking for ian to give the tickets that he owes him and this man is in anything just to get back into fiona's life like maybe like he is he actually is giving ian things but there's no reason he would try to reach out to see ian this much unless it was other intentions yeah earlier in the episode she's like and it's night and it's the 1700s and phones haven't been invented yet like (laughs) <laughs> the tension is thick. It's super awkward. But Steve is like, uh-huh. Yep. I'm around again. But like, you can see her like mentally shifting back to Steve mode because like the Tony thing fucked her up. So she's like, yeah. she's giving him the eye. Uh, but so he leaves the house and Mickey and the brothers walk up and ask. And like, he knows Ian is home because Fiona just told him Ian was home. And Mickey and the brothers are like, yo, is Ian home? And he's like, no, I haven't seen him. Like, we love a man he's got Ian's back he's like no I haven't seen him this is clearly a threat and Mickey's like oh okay shithead and with and he looks up to the window and he says the best line it's my favorite it might be one of my top favorite Mickey lines hey lip how's your lip (laughs) (laughs) oh because Ian yep it's so good Ian and lip duck away from the window because like it literally pans up and it's not even like they're like secretly looking they're both just standing there in the window and then they move i'm like you guys are idiots yeah and mickey's like i saw you but okay mickey respects not breaking and entering yeah he's like i will i will sit outside your house until you come out again though fuck you ian and lip have a conversation and lip's like why didn't you just throw it in her and and ian's like why don't you just throw it in cash and like touche touche um, yeah. But Lip is then just like cool with it. And he's like, what, is he interested? And they like make a joke about Cash making his way through all of the Gallagher brothers. But this also just, um, it's a big, like, it's a 
different approach from how we watched Lip react to the last time that we, like, him finding out Ian was gay. Because, like, it came off as, like, he was going to use it almost as, like, a blackmail or, yeah. like, using it as, like, a negative thing. And now he's just like, I have a gay brother. Okay. Like, I love that. Like, Lip doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, and, like, I love that he is accepting of Ian's gayness. But, Lip, you should push back more on the sleeping with a grown man-ness. Please? Yeah. Please? Yeah, I guess it's just south side freaking mentality and stuff like that like the norm is not the norm for everyone else yeah even though pedophilia isn't a norm for anyone it just i guess you just always have to think about this show and the circumstances even though some of the circumstances might not be the most appropriate circumstances Sorry, everybody. Is that the number four on the rantometer of how much Evan and Amanda hate cash? Uh, so we cut, or Ian accepts at the end of that conversation with Lip that he's going to have to catch a beat down for this. Like, there's nothing he can do to avoid it anymore. So we cut to the next morning. Debbie wakes up with Aunt Ginger in her bed. It's adorable. It's so cute and peaceful. It's adorable. Lip wakes up and Ian is not in his bed and Lip goes looking for him and we look to a hook on the wall where the bat needs should be, and the bat is gone. And we cut to Ian walking down the street toward the Milkovich house with a bat in his hand. So we cut uh, back to the Gallagher house where Debbie is making eggs Benedict with Aunt Ginger, which is like a difficult dish. Like eggs Benedict is not like a casual like food realistically. Like the the make what what is the sauce? Holiday sauce. Yeah, like that shit, like. And first of all, this is the Gallagher house we're talking about. They have all of these materials in there when Frank literally robbed them, like, the day prior. Like, so they're making a fancy breakfast. And, of course, Frank steals Debbie's plate out of her hand because he's an asshole. Frank comes in and he's, like, there because he needs to be there when the Social Security lady is there. And Lip is still walking around. Just like always, Lip is always the first and only member of the Gallagher family that's, like, Hey, uh, anybody seen Ian? Anybody anybody know where Ian is? I, and that also just paints a big picture for how, like, their brotherly relationship is that, like, it's, like, they each, like, kind of have, like, a pairing of, like, with often the kids, and it's, mm-hmm. like, basically, like, Carl and Debbie, Fiona and Liam, <laughs> and Lip and Ian. Yeah. So Carl is microwaving an action figure, and Lip asks him, did he take the bat again? And Carl's like, no, I think I saw Ian leave with it earlier today. And Lip's like, okay, I gotta fuck off then. I have to figure out what's happening. But he doubles back just to fuck with Frank a little bit. Because as Lip is leaving, Frank is like, we should really all sit down and have breakfast as a family. So Lip doubles back and steals Frank's food out of his hand and takes a bite of it. He's like, yeah, that's delicious. And he leaves. So Frank's like sitting there so mad, but I'm just like, yes, Lip, destroy him. Any opportunity to fuck with Frank. It's great. So we cut to Ian, who is outside the Milkovich home, crouching behind the trash cans across the street, like, with a with a bat in his hand. And, like, sidebar, RIP to that filming location, that house was condemned and torn down last year. I know that the Milkovich house got torn down. Yes. I'm so upset. So even if we ever see interiors of the, of the Milkovich house again, we will never again see a new exterior of the Milkovich house. Uh, R.I.P. But anyway, Lip finds Ian crouched behind the trash cans outside the Milkovich house with a bat in his hand. And Lip, like the ride or die he is, walks up and he's like, okay, what's the plan? Like, he doesn't try to talk him out of it. He's like, what's the plan? What's the plan here? And Ian's like, I'm yeah. gonna hit Mickey over the head and uh, and then see what happens. And then Lip's like, you know, the other brothers are gonna come out and murder you. And Ian's like, yeah, yeah, probably. So Lip just picks up a brick. And he's like, I'll try to fight him off. Like, ride or die today, Lip. I love that. 
But before either of them can get beat to death by a Milkovich brother, Ian sees Mandy walk out of the house. So Ian, like, hands the bat to Lip and goes running after Mandy and uh, tries to get her to stop and only gets her to stop running away from him by screaming that he's gay at her outside of the window. Like, that's This is my whole thing about this part is that he, like, so what the basically, like, the exterior of the Milkovich house is that they're on the end street and then right next to the side of their house there's, like, a, like a alleyway or something. He doesn't even wait for her to leave anywhere off, like, anywhere off that property. They're literally next to the house and he's running up to her and she screams bloody murder, of course. Yeah. And then he also shouts that, I'm gay, to get her attention. And, like, exactly, how did they not hear any of that going down? You know that fucking Milkovich house has yeah. ears open at all times, yet they can have this whole interaction next to that house and, like, nothing... Maybe, maybe your headcanon is a, a maybe, like, the wink-wink, nudge-nudge, yeah. but at the same time, like, they weren't quiet. Yeah. Like, you it, don't lip heard that from across the fucking street. Doesn't How did the people in that household not hear yeah. anything? It is me and many others headcanon in this universe that the way the Milkovich house is laid out is completely probable. That was outside of Mickey's window. Ian yelled that he was gay and that Mickey heard it and just stored that information away for future use. That's what I've decided happened during that scene. We're not saying what future information that might help us with, but it, it could be a very valuable uh, scene yeah. <laughs> for tell, what's to come. Tell me I'm wrong. You can't. You can't. I'm not wrong. So, so basically, Ian just lets her know that he's gay, and then, of course, she stops wherever she is in her thing, and she's just like, oh. Yeah. And then cuts. <laughs> yeah. And we cut, yeah, we cut away back to the Gallagher house where they're putting up the pictures of Aunt Ginger all over the house and, like, the fake Christmas things that they took, and it's great. The My social- favorite thing in these pictures is that they point them out once the social worker comes in, but they're all wearing the same exact outfits in those yeah. photos that they're wearing. Lip's face is beat to death in every picture. like. And she's wearing the same fucking outfit. I don't think she changed her clothes. No. <laughs> uh, but they show up the social security lady shows up and like looks around and like can't and she's with like another guy and can't dispute any of this because ginger is so out of it it's not like she could be like well this is clearly a different person like this is a woman with dementia i dare you to try and prove that she isn't who she says she is and they hand over definitely can tell there's something up but obviously the woman's so incapable she can't like actually be like "Mm, you're wrong so while she's doing the, the exam, we cut back to Ian and Mandy, who are now walking down into, like, a little place, down, like, I don't know where they are, past a fence or something, talking about Ian's gayness. And this is my shout-out to Cameron Monaghan for being the king of consistency and remembering that Ian's gay awakening started with Justin Timberlake. First of all, real that's very realistic writing. A lot of little gay boys' introduction to gayness was Justin Timberlake in 2011. And Mandy says J.C. Chazet. Mandy had a crush on J.C. Chazé and, like, literally who had a crush on J.C. Chazé? Oh, no one. I've never, like, heard anyone be like, yeah, I like J.C. Like, shut up. No, you didn't. Weird you vibe. wanted out of the norm. Weird vibe, but okay. Uh, but we get to see this, like, really sweet friendship start to form, and Mandy's like, I just kind of thought that you thought I was ugly. And, like, oh, poor Mandy. And Ian's like, no, 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 you're not ugly here. I'll prove it. And he like puts his hand on her boob and grabs her hand and puts it on his dick. And they just like waits 
for a second he's like you see how nothing's happening <laughs> this is not about you I, I love how that's what like took her to believe like literally not feeling him get a hard on <laughs> yeah it's like it's super cute they're super cute and while they're being all cute and stuff they cut we cut back to the gallagher house and the social security woman is like clearly scammed but can't prove it so she hands over the money she's like i'll be back in six months fuck you and hands over the money and leaves and frank has it in his hand for 0.2 seconds before fiona snatches it and is the most adorable woman ever and is like now i can pay the gas bill and then it's just like and then frank gets up and tries to launch at it and of course like we love a good gallagher house chase yeah she like grabs a chair and fends him off like a lion like it's so great so we cut away to, from that to later in the day where v is packing up ginger's bag so ginger can leave and debbie is super not into it debbie does not like that ginger is leaving that hurt this hurts me was the whole like ginger debbie storyline that like really hurt <laughs> yeah and again, while this is all happening in the background, Kev again walks in and starts picking up all of the shit that the Gallaghers took from him <laughs> yet again. Steve Howie did great work in this episode. And so Fiona's like, okay, so now that all that is over, where where is Ginger buried? It might, feel, might make Debbie feel better to go visit uh, Ginger. And then we cut to the backyard. Frank has buried <laughs> Ginger in their back fucking yard. They're all just like standing in their backyard and Frank's just like looking around and he's just like, um here Fiona, and like, just jumps. like what <laughs> that's like a two second cutaway but it's so funny and we now have to store that information in the back of our heads for two seasons can you tell i've watched this show too much that i know that that's a thing we have to remember later yeah it plays a big deal but that that part of, yeah. we're getting ahead that's too yes. far in this late in this season in the, in the series yeah. so then we cut back to ian and mandy where they're like swinging on the swings and mandy offers to be ian's fake girlfriend so that, like, she can cover for him in public and stuff when he wants to. And that way she can have, like, a fake boyfriend to hang out with and do stuff with. Like, that's a friend, and then, Mandy! And then it also, like, she's also kind of using it for her protection. Because it will keep, like, all these other strange men off of her and stuff like that. They know that, like, Ian's her boyfriend now, I guess. Yeah, but, like, Mandy, that's what a friend is. Like, oh, you poor baby. Really getting to look into how soft and sweet Mandy Milkovich is. And Cam's laugh is super cute. And that that's decided. They're fake. They're fake dating now. It's super cute. So they go to drop Ginger back off at the nursing home. And Debbie is crying and crying and crying. And Frank is stealing medication behind them. And then we cut to Sheila's house. We cut to Sheila's house from this scene of them dropping off Ginger. To Sheila watching the news of a news story of this woman that was abducted from a nursing home and her family came to see her and like it's how did the woman from the social security administration not see that yeah like it was a pretty big news story and like it's and like when you're watching the like news or whatever it's like i guess either like the children of the mother or whatever and yeah. they're like yeah been missing for like 24 hours and we don't know where she is and i'm just like what? <laughs> like, what a weird, like... wild choice for that! Like Sheila could have been watching anything, but yeah. like we cut back to Sheila's house, and Sheila is very sad, and she's watching the news, and she's crying, and she's just she's afraid. She's afraid of the outside world. She's so scared. And Frank comes in and just kind of holds her, and it's they're Frank and Sheila are kind of sweet. They're kind of sweet, but then you have to think about why Frank is being sweet. <laughs> yeah, but like they're kind of sweet. 
Anyway, then we cut back to the Gallagher house, and Mandy and Ian are hanging out on Ian's bed, and they're super cute. They're, like, legs are crisscrossed over each other, and they're just reading magazines. And Lip is on the top bunk watching it. Like, this is a very strange development in this situation. I don't think he knows the deal yet. So he's just kind of, like, chilling, being like, aren't you gay? Like, yeah. didn't, you, didn't you just, like, just establish that? <laughs> because of you, your brothers beat the shit out of me. But that's fine. Anyway, Fiona comes in and says, like, hey, kids, uh, stay above the covers. And Mandy and Ian are both like, okay. <laughs> like, they're like, that'll be easy. And um, when Fiona says this, she she's like above the covers okay guys i'm gonna leave and lips like you look nice and he's right mm-hmm. she looks so good she looks so good she's got those big dangly gold earrings and her hair's all done she looks so, it's all straightened like that hot way she straightened it in 2011 oh she looks good and we cut from that to sad pathetic tony walking his sad pathetic dog to a sad pathetic mom's dinner and we see mm. Tony walk in and greet his mom and say hi. And then we see Fiona across the street, clearly not here for this. Like, it looked like it was setting it up that that's why she was looking all cute and nice to go to the dinner. Yeah. But know where she goes instead? She goes to a garage to see Steve. Oh, uh, man. It, it's an iconic shot of Fiona walking in in the dark then like turning her head and like her earring catches the glimmer and she walks up behind him and he turns around and like she is here for that bad boy dick she is here for it and i i am here for her and i love it and that's it and then we roll credits roll credits we roll credits there's no after credit scene in this one i watched pretty far into the credits and there wasn't an after credit scene <sighs> i can't tell you how many times i've watched this episode episode's so good. I watched this episode so many goddamn times. And it's, like, I rewind and, and watch Mickey's entrance over and over and over and over and over and over again. It is... I feel like this is also, like, a really good episode that, like, kind of shows a lot of, like, everyone's personalities more so. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I we're getting more into season one and stuff. So, like, we're three episodes in and, like, it's kind of, like, you're getting kind of, like, the feels of, like, who these people are and like the relationships with each other and stuff like that. And I really like that because like it kind of seemed very confusing in like the first two episodes. And like now it just shows that like they all are there for each other, but also like they got their like issues with each other at the same time. More so their issues towards Frank and all of his bullshit. Yeah. But like in this episode, basically they all like kind of lean on each other for and everything. And like I couldn't really tell what was the A, the B, or the C storyline in this episode. I, I honestly feel like Ian's was the A storyline in this episode. Like, I know Aunt Gin- the Aunt Ginger one was supposed to be, but mm-hmm. the Ian one was, like, the one that we followed, like, most interestingly. I don't know. Maybe it's just because that's my man. Because I feel like the, like, like, the, like as you said, like, which storyline was the main focus. Yeah. But, like, the Aunt Ginger thing, like, this is basically, like, no, this is basically like a spoiler, but this is like the only time we see her. So like, yeah. this was a one and done. But and like, it was like three or four other... scenes. It was like yeah. three or four scenes of like boom, 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 storyline, story. And like the Mickey chasing Ian thing just was a thread through the whole episode. Yeah. So like, I guess it's like obviously, Ann Ginger was the episode like centered around, but every mm-hmm. other individual kind of like storyline that happened are the storylines that either progressed throughout the season or the series Mm. so like i think like i think basically the whole ian mickey thing is like one of the main things because 
like you, it doesn't really sh- like you don't really know what's going to happen but like obviously from us having this podcast more happened progressively with that said yeah. like interaction or relationship in this episode in so, accordance I, to the icon for our <laughs> for our podcast yeah shout out to zoe the queen <laughs> yeah, literally that the icon the artwork for our podcast guys was a painting that my sister did of the characters ian and mickey from a later season that she made for me and that evan saw it and was like i need that so evan and i <laughs> both have that painting which is and why it is the only people with that painting and I, that makes it even more iconic yeah we're the only people in the world with that painting because my sister made it for both of us uh at burden on society on instagram as her art page but yeah she made that for us and that's why it's the icon for our for our podcast and so what do we think of this episode evan what were our thoughts i it's one of my favorite seasons i mean favorite Oh my god, my favorite episodes from season one, like obviously because this is where we get introduced to the best boy in the entire world, but it also just like, I guess like the whole dynamic with Ginger and stuff, just like it was so cute and like they tried, they wanted it so hard to be fake family and stuff like that, like obviously it was for the sole purpose of getting checks and stuff. It just, like, it kind of, like, makes you sad. <laughs> like, yeah. even though I love this episode, it makes you sad because, like, you know how deprived all of those kids are yeah. of any other, not even, like, a parental figure, just kind of, like, an older figure in their lives just to, like, have around. And it just, like, makes me sad. But also, I really enjoy this episode because also, like, all of the little, like, small little bits throughout the episode just kind of, like, get you to, like, the whole, this, Kev's entire, like, Kev's entire purpose in this ep- this episode is just stop taking my fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. It's it's or, great. Uh, you know, I love this episode. I love this episode a lot. <laughs> it is um it's so good. It is the introduction of a character that will change our lives forever. I did not know. So I watched this show, like I said in the first episode, I watched the show when it first aired in to 2011. Like I saw the pilot and I was like, that show looks interesting. And immediately, of course, Ian, I fell in love with Ian. But, like, I knew when Mickey walked in, I was like, oh, who's he? Like, (laughs) who is this guy? Little do I know, now that I've gone back after these years of being in love with him, I've gone back and been like, oh, he was in Max Keeble's Big Move and Agent Cody Bank. Noel Fisher has been ever present through my childhood and now through my whole adulthood. That Max Keeble movie makes me scream. I love how he's, like, afraid of the frog. (laughs) Troy McGinty. Like, it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. This episode was so good. I had so much fun watching this. Um, I love it. It was so much of my heart. uh, And, like, the next episode's gonna be a Debbie-centric episode, but episode five, we're gonna be back on our bullshit, and it's gonna be so good. But next episode's gonna be good. The Debbie-centric episode is actually really good. Emma does a really good job in the first season at, of Debbie. I have evolving feelings of Debbie through the series, but taking season one Debbie, season one Debbie shatters my heart. All she wants so, is love. As of now, I currently am watching season nine for the first time through, and I can agree with that. My feelings on Debbie have definitely changed throughout the series, mm-hmm. but season one Debbie, the most innocent, cutest little girl in the entire world. Yeah. But yeah, so that's it. That's the episode, guys. We that's did the episode. We the did episode. <laughs> we did it again. We'll be back again. We're gonna try to be posting every Tuesday on SoundCloud and on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. We're super excited to, to be doing this. I know that like everything sucks right now because we're in quarantine, but like 
it is, it's nice to look back on a show that we love and get to talk to someone who loves it too and, like, have a good conversation about it. And we hope you guys like listening to it because... In- informative and entertaining enough. <laughs> we really do, like, care about the show and it means a lot to us. As much shit as we talk on this show, like, Shameless is so important to us. It really is. And we're forever thankful for it existing and for it being a thing. <laughs> I have, like, two shameless buddies I've been talking to since I started this show, and it's you and my friend CJ. So good. So, Evan, where can people find you outside of this podcast? You can find my lovely self on Instagram at IWantToDie4000. I promise everyone I am okay. (laughs) I just don't feel like changing my username. And then I'm also on TikTok. Uh, You can follow me at the same exact user at IWantToDie4000. Where can they find you, Amanda? They can find me on Twitter at AbnormalAmanda or on Instagram at my new handle, AbnormalAmanda18, because AbnormalAmanda was taken. AbnormalAmanda on Twitter, AbnormalAmanda18 on Instagram. You can follow the show on LuckWeHadPod on Twitter, LuckWeHadPod on Instagram. Email us. Email our our Gmail, uh, LuckWeHadPod at gmail.com. I want to know what you guys think of the show. I want to know what you guys think of shameless i want i want headcanons i want fan fictions i want videos i want to hear from you guys it's yeah, so I would, good yeah send us an email like it could be like anything or like if you guys want to have some information that you want to spill on said episode or like if we have an episode coming out that someone would like to add their own opinions in please let's hear them because <laughs> who knows we, you might get sick of me and amanda's opinions yeah. <laughs> yeah we'd love to have like a guest on that like wants to talk about a certain episode or a certain character that'd be awesome be so really we're awesome. we're literally doing this over Skype right now. Like, it's we're we're still we're still a little bit low budget. Eventually, we're gonna try to make it as yeah. professional as we can. But we're we're making do for now. We have a Ko-Fi up. Uh, luck we had Pod Ko-Fi. If you guys wanted to like donate anything to it, uh, so that we can get microphones to make your listening experience better. Um, because as yeah. much as we love Apple AirPods, aren't the best microphone recording They're devices. Not. Awesome. Uh, but everything's, I, I'm so happy that we get to do this. Yeah, luck we had pod. Uh, give us likes on SoundCloud and add us to your playlist on uh, on Spotify. I'm so happy we're working on getting on Apple Podcasts, but SoundCloud and Spotify right now, it's super exciting. It's super fun. I think Spotify, like, that's, that's so good for it's us. It's so I cool. Love- it's so cool. Uh, and we will be back next week. I'll edit this this week. This will go yep. up on Tuesday. And we will be back next week with episode four thank you everybody for listening and thank you so much for joining us this week we'll see you later and we're gonna yell ian gallagher out our own windows and until (laughs) then we will we'll we'll listen you guys i don't know how to and i'm gonna end the podcast here (laughs) bye everybody (laughs) goodbye